to another episode of the Bohemian Rose podcast. Again, I am sitting here hiding behind a microphone and a laptop, kind of spilling my guts to the internet and the world at large. Um, But I wanted to say thank you to those of you who listened to the first episode, and thank you to those of you who reached out and gave me some feedback or some kind words. I'm not really doing this because I want someone to tell me that I'm worthwhile. I'm just kind of recording where I've been and what I've done and where I'm going and all of this will unfold into something and hopefully there'll be a little nugget of wisdom that perhaps someone else can use and make themselves feel like they're not alone in situations. But thank you. I was not the only person that listened to the first episode and um, that's sort of nice to know. So before I get started, I just want to give you a little heads up that this episode, um, I'm going to be using the word sex and some other synonyms that mean sex. So if you have young children in the car and you don't want to get into a conversation about some of the words I may use, then I would save this podcast for headphones or when you're alone um, and don't play it around young children or anybody that you don't want to discuss the content with. And with that being said, this episode is Sex versus God. So, as I mentioned in the first episode, um, or last week, I did not feel great about myself. And I'm still in the process of healing and getting back to feeling like me, whatever me is at this point in time in my life. But when I figured out that my marriage was completely over and was at the point of getting ready to file for divorce, I got a lot of unsolicited advice um, from well-meaning friends and family. And um, some of the advice that I got So this was the advice. You need to just go get laid. That's what I heard quite a bit. You know, with all of the online dating apps, with everything from Tinder to Match.com to Plenty of Fish or whatever it is, a lot of people said, you need to just go have sex. So for me, that was going to be problematic for a number of reasons. One reason is my mentality was in the place of if my husband didn't even want to be with me and, you know, decided to leave, then why on earth would anyone else want to be with me? Um, So I didn't feel like I was even valuable enough or valued enough to be able to put myself out there um, or that anyone, that I'd have any takers. If I wanted to have sex, I felt like who would want to have sex with me? Like nobody. So that was one problem. Another problem that I had was that I never really slept around when I was younger. So the thought of sleeping around, you know, as a 40 plus, I think at this point I was probably like mid 40s, like the thought of sleeping around in my mid 40s terrified me because I grew up in the generation that saw AIDS completely blast through 
the the gay population and it was one of those things when i was younger i remember seeing this commercial that basically said you know you sleep with this person and they've slept with x number of people and so on and so on so it was like this exponentially multiplied formula of if you sleep with someone who's 45 years old and they've slept with i don't know 20 people in their life and how many people did those people sleep with the thought of like some getting some sort of disease like terrified me and also i grew up in the age of the safest sex is no sex at all and i remember my father telling me once when i was young like maybe in like beginning of middle well maybe the end of middle school or beginning of high school he basically said if anyone ever touches you i'll kill them so you know i had like this hardcore catholic upbringing this fear of sexually transmitted diseases or aids um also feeling completely undesirable so just going out and having essentially sex to make myself feel better was probably just going to make me feel a thousand times worse than i already felt and the thir the third biggest thing out of all of this so it's not like i didn't even you know it wasn't even a matter of feeling um, undesirable. It was the thought of putting myself out there and being rejected. So there was undesirable and then there was the actual action of like rejection. So it, there was this whole ball of wax and I was like, I can't do it. Like I couldn't do that. I just could not put myself out there. So because of the situation that I was in, I was, I felt like I was really like one step away from monastic life. Like I could have easily gone into a convent at any time between the time my ex-husband left for the last time and I don't know, until maybe like a year ago or so. I, I seriously, like a vow of celibacy, it's like done that, like did that. I mean, I don't even know like when the last time I had sex with my ex-husband was. So, I mean, it could have been like a solid like four to five year chunk of time where there was like nothing. So instead of turning to sex or, um, you know, this carefree, like throw caution to the wind and just go out and get laid mentality, I basically started dating churches. So I went the complete opposite route. And instead of going out and having sex, I just started going to church and a lot of different types of churches. I just have to stop for a moment and say I am so sorry about the sounds my dog is going to make or made through the entire recording. I went back and listened to everything and it sounds like she is literally hovering over the microphone and like snoring, sighing, sleeping. Um, and this will probably be the last time that I do any sort of recording with her in the room because she's so loud. So back to what I was talking about. I think I briefly mentioned that I was raised Catholic. So both of my parents were Catholic. I grew up in a Catholic house. Um, I went to church every Sunday. I went to CCD, which is the Catholic equivalency of Sunday school. I went to a Catholic grade school when we lived in a bigger city, and I went to a Catholic college. So I was very much a Catholic. 
and then I moved out to California. And when I moved out here, um, I don't even think I went to church at all. But when I was a little bit older and I had, I was feeling like I needed something, and this was actually before I got married, so I was still um, with my ex-husband at the time, like we were in the dating, the throes of dating, but I started going to this place called the Self-Realization Fellowship. And SRF, as it's called, um, is based on Eastern meditation and the Bhagavad Gita, and it's also based on the Bible and Christianity. It's the Church of All Religions, and there's actually this part at the Lake Shrine in Pacific Palisades, which is like a gorgeous place just to go and like hang out and sit and be, um, but they actually have like a courtyard that is a courtyard of all religions, like it branches off to, um, I think, Buddhism and Christianity and uh, Islam uh, or, yeah, so there, it has all these different paths that go off from it. And my thought has always been that really different organized religions are like trails or mountain paths going up to the summit of a mountain and the summit of the mountain being God. Or, you know, if you don't believe in God, then the universe or whatever it is, the creator. So I've always been fascinated by other religions. And in fact, I was married at Self-Realization Fellowship in Pacific Palisades. And when I started going there, I was telling my mother about it. She was convinced that it was some sort of cult because the founder, Paramahansa Yogananda, was this guy with long flowing hair, this Eastern Indian man with saffron robes, and there was a chanting and all kinds of things and meditation. Um, but when my mother came out and actually went to one of the Sunday services, she realized that Self-Realization Fellowship was not a cult, and she drew a lot of parallels between uh, meditation and prayer and mantras and prayer and that sort of thing. And so I think she felt comfortable that I was not involved in some wacky West Coast cult. But when I... When the shit was hitting the fan in my my marriage, I would go to Self-Realization Fellowship, and I would sit in the temple during the services in a room, you know, a big room full of religious community in a way, and it would make me feel not so alone. So when I reached the point where my ex-husband had left for the last time, um, I, I missed how Sundays were always like a family day. And I can't say that they always ended on a happy note, but there was something, and there is something about Sundays, the pace of it. It just seems to be the day where families come together. When I was a child, that's how it was. You know, it was always like the biggest dinner and, you know, the most lingering time and watching Mutual of Omaha, Wild Kingdom, before go getting ready for bed and, there was just something that was kind of sacred about Sundays being like this family time. And I needed something. I needed family time on Sundays. And I, I remember the girls were at an age where they would go off with their dad on Sundays just for a little bit. If it was like having breakfast or having lunch with him or doing something with him and his mother, um, 
But I do remember having this time, and maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but I needed something to do where I didn't feel so incredibly alone. So me, the Catholic-raised, married at Self-Realization Fellowship person, um, decided to become a Mormon. The way that I became a Mormon is kind of interesting. We lived right up the street from a Mormon church, and every Sunday when we would walk down the street to the beach, we would always pass it, and you could hear the very traditional hymns being sung outside the church as we were walking down to go to the beach. Um, but the missionaries, because we literally lived like two blocks from the church, we were on the route of the missionaries. And I remember every time my ex-husband saw them coming up the street or going down the street or somewhere in the neighborhood, he'd be like, don't go in the courtyard. Don't go out there because he didn't want to interact with them. And I think there was a point somewhere right after he left that the female missionaries, I happened to go out in the courtyard and they were standing at the gate where the call box was. And they're like, hi. And I think I was just like, hi. And they came in. And so we started talking and it kind of freaked me out a little when they got on their knees and crossed their arms to pray, but they were really sweet. And they said something to the effect of, you should come to our church or, you know, the church is right down the street. And for me, I mean, I, there are certain things that I'm not scared of. I'm not scared of being in countries where I don't speak the language. I'm not scared of being an outsider in a religious community. Um, if anyone said, like, hey, would you want to come to my church or my temple or my whatever it is, I would be like, yeah. Because for me, it means, like, ritual and music and community and oftentimes food and there's something about all of those things that I really like so I did go to church and I went on a Sunday I was in a pair of slacks or trousers because I refused to wear a dress or a skirt and actually the entire time like, every time I've gone to a Mormon service, I have never worn a dress or a skirt. And I don't know if I actually pride myself on that fact, but I was really the only person that didn't, except for my friend who, um, who I met there, who one day during the winter did actually wear slacks as well. But I walked into this church, and there was literally, like, a receiving line. It was, like, I don't think I've ever gone to a church where there was, like, an entire line of people that said, hi, how are you? What's your name? Welcome. And then the next person, hi. I mean, I was introduced to so many different people. And then this lovely angel of a person who ended up being and still is a really dear friend to me said, do you want to sit with me and my family? And I was like, sure. She had three little girls. And of course I want to sit with her because I miss when my girls were little. And so one of them was a birthday buddy with one of my daughters. The youngest one was, like, adorable with, like, these ringlets. And everybody has children. Like, everybody has, like, little kids. Me, I had, like, older kids, and my children weren't there with me. But I got to hold babies and sit with people's families. But it was this really welcoming community. And 
I always thought like a Catholic mass was kind of long at certain times of the year, but Mormons, not only is there the mass and then there's like the study afterwards, then there's like the women's group where you break into groups, but it's about three hours on a Sunday. So it took up a fair chunk of time, but I, I loved it. There was something about it that made me feel not alone. And I had this instant community of really welcoming people. And I don't know if all LDS churches are like that. I think in California, maybe it's a little bit different, just like everything where people are more liberal or more open um, and not quite so judgmental. I mean, being a divorced single woman in slacks in a Mormon church not exactly like everybody else. It's kind of like what doesn't fit in this picture. And it's like, oh, that person. But I found the conversations that I had outside of the church um, with my newfound friends to be really open-minded and for them to be literally like the most loving people I could possibly imagine. So I ended up getting baptized as a Mormon. So now I've been like baptized as a Catholic, married at Self-Realization Fellowship, baptized as, baptized as a Mormon. And there was somewhere along the lines of going to the Mormon church. And let me say that for me to become a Mormon, I was already like the most Mormon, non-Mormon there could have been. The only thing that was a struggle for me was giving up coffee And honestly, I could not say that the teachings of the Mormon church are the absolute teachings of God. And I still can't say that because I don't know. I don't live in an obscure part of the world where, you know, to them, God might be the son. And that's what was handed down to them, because I think that God speaks in so many different ways to so many different people. And I can't say that. Like, I am not of mind and body and spirit to say, like, this is the absolute truth. So somewhere during that time, I actually went to a group interview because I was trying to figure out, like, how am I going to be able to, like, afford life and things? And I went to this group interview at Anthropology, And there was this girl slash woman I would probably refer to as a her as a girl because she was young and beautiful, like literally so beautiful that I was like, there is no way they're going to hire her because she's so beautiful. She was so sweet. And just like, I was mesmerized. I mean, I'm a photographer. Like that's how I've always made money and you know, it's feast and famine, but it's like in terms of like a visual person, like I looked at this, this woman And I was like, oh my God, like she's like supermodel looking. So we got to talking and I said something about church and she's like, oh, where do you go to church? And I told her and she's like, she's like, oh, I go to this church. And she started telling me about the church that she went to, which was contemporary Christian. And I'd never been to a contemporary Christian church. I mean, my idea of like contemporary Christian music was like, folk mass in the 1970s or early 80s at my Catholic church. And that was like folksy is like, you know, kind of sums it up. But in LA, like one of the things about LA, except for the Mormon church, because it's very, the music is really traditional and it's like led by a piano for the most part. But all of the other churches 
like the music is always pretty incredible because we have so many professional musicians and I had no idea what to expect but we got to talking and there was um, she had this necklace on that's called a giving key and I actually had a giving key as well but while we were sitting in this group interview her giving key kept falling off and I can't remember if it was hope or faith I think it was faith I think I had a hope key, she had a faith key, it kept falling off, and we talked a little bit more after the interview, and it ended up she lived literally a half a block away from me, and I was walking to my car, it was like a little misty, it was about, I don't know, 9.30 at night, I'm walking down an alley to a parking garage, and all of a sudden I hear someone running behind me, which I started to slightly panic that... You know, oh my God, like who's running behind me, but it's someone calling my name and it's this girl and she's like, she's like this giving key or this thing will not stay on me since I met you. And the idea with a giving key is that you wear it, you keep it until you feel like somebody else needs it more than you. And she put it in my hand and she's like, I think that you need this more than I do. And she's like, I hope I see you at church sometime. So when someone says, like, I hope I see you at church sometime, it is like a hard, that's a hard and fast invitation. Like, how do you say no to that? So the following Sunday, I went to church and she wasn't there. But I went to this church. It was in like a high school auditorium. They were renting space. It was like a new growing church. The music was like going to an amazing concert for a little over an hour. It was unbelievable. I felt a little out of place, although there were people there welcoming me as I went in and they had coffee and they had, you know, like snacks and things and everybody was like happy and bright and shiny and beautiful. Um, and I kept going back and I really loved like, going to these services and it ends up or ended up that they actually had like a Sunday evening service um, once they opened up another location. And so Sunday nights at six o'clock, I would go to these services um, to insert a little bit in here. My oldest daughter goes to a super conservative Christian college. They, the worship services are very similar to this church and so it was something that she was happy to go with me to church as well. And so we've gone to Christmas Eve services together with, you know, both the girls and uh, their godmother and their godmother's daughter. And we've like really kind of, we're still, I mean, I still feel like I'm fringy in the church there because I'm not like 100% in. But I almost feel like in a way I have like religious ADD because I've also gone to agape churches. I went to agape with um, one of my daughter's godmothers. Um, I love when our friends invite us to celebrate Hanukkah. Um, like seriously, like any religious thing, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Like, love it. Um, so to kind of like tie in this whole episode or sort of what where I was in my life is that I had these choices between kind of going externally to make myself feel better and like kind of put a little salve on the, is that the word salve or salve on the wounds? Like, but I think ultimately it would have made me feel a thousand times worse, like I said. 
so I turned to religion. Like, I turned to God. And I don't know if I actually turned to God because I never really, like, prayed, like, why me? Why this situation? Or, like, what's wrong with me? There was definitely a lot of, like, self-pity um, because I did feel so incredibly broken. But there was something about feeling like I was a part of a community. And so I guess, you know, everybody deals with the breakup of a marriage or a long-term relationship completely differently. Mm. And, you know, I'm no expert in any of this. Like, I'm really, like, an expert in taking amazing photographs and making other people look really beautiful. Um, mm. But in terms of, like, crafting a life... There's something about that Sunday reset that, you know, feeling a part of, um, just being surrounded by people who are just love. Like, I feel like that's ultimately religion. God is love. And to be in that sort of atmosphere, um, you know, I love my friends. Like I, I don't have a ton of friends, but the friends that I have, I absolutely love them. And if they don't know that, I hope they know that now after hearing this, but you know, it's like life is so unpredictable. It is really this roller coaster that once you get on it, like you're on it until it's over and you just need to find a way to enjoy those terrifying parts of it. And maybe not, like, enjoy it, but, like, find, like, the beauty in those terrifying moments. And the beauty in the way that all of this worked out for me is that I made some amazing friends. I strengthened kind of my commitment to the one man who's never going to leave me, which I know sounds so corny. But I did feel like, you know... Anybody else, like, even if they were contractually obligated to me, like, in a marriage, there's no guarantee that that person's going to be there. And there's no guarantee because people have free will to do what it is they want to do. You know, spouses die. Like, I've had friends that have lost husbands. But there's only one person that's going through my entire life with me. And that is, you know, the creator of this world you know, God, spirit, whatever you want to call him, like it is just me and him. Like we are the only two people, like the only two things that are within me that are going from start to finish. And, um, so instead of turning to sex, I turned to the one person that will never leave me. And I know this sounds so incredibly corny. Basically I became a spirit junkie and not a Gabby Bernstein spirit junkie. I just became a Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, you name it, spirit junkie. Like spiritual music playing and spiritual music like contemporary Christian music. I'd hum hymns under my breath. I pulled out my self-realization fellowship binder and looked at different mantras or different meditations. And I still, like, I had a hard time, like, really committing to meditation. But... At some point, I did get to the Gabby Bernstein spiritual junkie-ish kind of thing, but I will get to that in another episode. So to wrap this up, I turned to God and religion to help me feel better and not feel alone. But in regards to sex, at some point, 
you have to get back on the horse. But that will be for another time and another episode. Mm. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Have a Mm. lovely, beautiful week. And find the, the joy around you. Like, just find the joy in the everyday because um, life is so unpredictable. It just really is. And, again, I am no expert in anything except for photography. Like, other than that, like, this is just me, like, talking into a microphone. So, really, have a beautiful week. And we will chat soon. Mm-hmm.